Hello, this is Chris Chapman, and you're listening to The Sirens of Audio. Hello, me one. Hello, me two. What have you been up to, me one? I've just been listening to some Doctor Who podcasts, me two. Oh, which one's me one? The usuals, Strangers in Time, Doodly Dumb, Plight Through Eternity, Something or Other Who, Omega's Most Desired, Bad Wolf, Julie, with an exclamation mark, Adam Richard Has a Dolly, Doctor Who Show and Tell, The Seeds of Death podcast, 42 to Lunchtime, All of Time and Space, Eventually, and Pop to Who. Ah, Pop to Who. Is that the Doctor Who and Music podcast that promises to play pop music, but all they ever play is that prog rubbish me one? That's the one, me too. You know, I tried getting into that one once, but I couldn't trust them after they put an explicit warning on an episode and they did not swear once. Outrageous, me one. I don't know how they get away with it, me too. Might be time to try a new podcast. Something new, something fresh, something hot off the presses. What do you think, me one? I think you're right. Do you know of any new podcasts I can sink my teeth into, me too? Ever heard of low-cost radio Scaro, me one? Never heard of a me too. G'day audiophiles, it's the Sirens of Audio, uh, the podcast devoted to Doctor Who in the audio media. My name is Dwayne and with me as always is Philip. G'day Philip. G'day Dwayne, great to be here again. G'day listeners, how are you going Dwayne? I'm going really well. I've had a bit of a glut on uh, catch up for 2020 because the, the year's been a terrible year, hasn't it? But I've noticed I've also lagged behind a little bit on some of my big finish listening, so I've I've been trying to catch up a lot uh, on stuff that I haven't heard yet. Susan's War is one of them. Did you get a chance to hear that when it came out? I did. I really enjoyed it. It was a great show. And the first episode in particular, which had Ian in it, yeah. um, it was very nostalgic. So oh, have you, have you heard, wasn't have you it you have, I've listened to the first two, so I've, I've heard that one uh, that you're referring to, which is called Sphere of Influence, set on the Sense Sphere. So they go back to the planet of the Sensorites. It's really, really good. I, I just, yeah, really good stuff. Also, it, it comes under the umbrella of, of Time War, the Time War stuff. So uh, like they say on the extras there, uh, I think David Richardson says, it's a, a big jigsaw puzzle of characters that you would have heard picked up in other Time War series like uh, potentially the Eighth Doctor and the Gallifrey Time War series. It's a, it's a massive picture, Philip. It is the the time war is huge. I'm hoping at some stage they put it all together, and so I can listen to it all in the right order. So, and certainly, there's yeah, I've been trying to keep up with everything too. So I haven't gone back and listened to a lot, 
I'm actually, I'm actually re-listening to, at the moment to the Paul McCann series, The Doom Coalition, and I'm picking up so much extra stuff in that, just listening now a second time. So there's the Time War stuff I haven't listened to at all. I know the first one in particular, because the Doctor's Companion kept changing, and that confused me no end. So I do know I need to go back and try and listen again. But yeah, Susan, Susan's War is a great episode. I did listen to the short trip before I, again before I listened to it, because where, where she leaves the doctor, because he comes to try and convince her not to fight, and she says, because it's her duty. It's a very powerful short trip. And then the Time War series. But it's interesting, all through it, she's still, still so loyal to her grandfather. So I think that's the thing that's impressing me. But you can feel the fact she's being manipulated behind the scenes by the Time Lords. So mm. yeah, it's, it's yeah, good political intrigue. It's a good, good box set. Enjoy the rest of it. I will. I'm looking forward to it because the Eighth Doctor appears in the in the final one, doesn't he? He does. But didn't didn't William Russell sound old? Uh, he was so. Well, I mean, well, he is old. That's. <laughs> I guess he is old. So, but I'm not. I didn't take note of when they recorded this, but um, it, well, would he, he's well and truly in his nineties now, isn't he? He just turned ninety two about a month ago. So he, he was his companion chronicles were starting to sound old. And, yeah, I, I don't think he can actually do a young Ian again. So it was good that they wrote, wrote him as old Ian. Yeah. Um, I mean, it was nice. I mean, I, you know, Miss Jackie Hill, of course, she was, Barbara's was just astounding as a companion. And so the couple of scenes they have with her in terms of the, the key turning the door and coming in, even though you don't hear her, um, it's just, yeah. As I said, nostalgically, it was quite beautiful. And the fact that they're together, it's all very, yeah, yeah. You know, it was fantastic. lovey-dovey, nice. The other thing I was getting into was Time Slip, and I didn't want to start Time Slip before I saw any of the original episodes. There was only one series of Time Slip, and it's all available on YouTube. I found it. So um, the, in the in the first series of Time Slip on TV, there's, or the only series, there's 26 episodes, but I think there's four stories in that, and I've managed to see the first story within that season. Uh, they're all six parters except for one which is an eight parter but it it was quite interesting the, the concept of time and time travel kind of does my head in it's not your it's not your typical uh well it's not my understanding of how time travel works uh it's completely different it's a bit more philosophical it's doing my head in as far as the time travel goes but the story's good so i've started listening to the time slip box set as well which is really interesting because rather than remake the original series they've picked up with the original characters in their current age and uh, they brought some new characters in because it was all about a couple of time traveling kids so some new time traveling kids have come in but the original kids are still in there as older people sort of guiding guiding the story so uh, that's a really interesting set and uh, when we come back early next year and do our 2020 retrospective on Big Finish I might talk a little bit more about that once I've delved into that a bit more deeply that means you haven't had a chance to have to no, I haven't listened to it. You're going to make me listen to it now, aren't you? I'm not going to make you. I I'll, I'll can talk you into it if you like. But um... Yeah, you, you talk me into it very easily, so that won't be hard. So <laughs> it's, it's, I, I have got them. I, they've been sitting there. Um, I hadn't thought about watching some of the TV shows first. I might, yeah, I might take you up on that. i just got to find time. And the next couple of weeks are just, but okay. I'll work it out somehow. Fit it in. <laughs> it's time to take a trip down the rabbit <laughs> hole. Here we go. Curiosity often leads to trouble.
Now, a couple of episodes ago, Philip, Jane Slaven was on and she was talking about how when she was a child, her father took the whole family to the theatre regularly. And it got me thinking about what I used to do as a kid regularly as a family. And uh, TV shows back then, uh, when we were growing up, they were a lot more family friendly. It was always something I had against people who said Doctor Who was a kids show, because even though it may have been directed at kids, it was a family show that everyone could enjoy. And it made me realise the sharp contrast between then and now. Do you find that, Philip, that it's hard to find things that everyone in the family can watch? There's so much choice that the kids go off and watch their shows over there, the adults go over and watch their shows over there, over there, and the adult shows aren't really suitable for the kids, so no one can really sit together anymore which uh it's a it's a little bit a little bit of a tra- a little bit tragic for me yes no i agree with that in fact i was having a conversation like that only recently in terms of our we have six kids our three eldest kids uh we watched a lot of dvds with them um you know we're very huge we've got, i mean every disney film we've got a huge dvd collection of of kids stuff and family stuff that we used to watch together and then our fourth one did a bit of that but not to the same extent but we're certainly finding now, you know, everyone is in a different room on a different device watching something different. Some are computer gaming through in terms of their storytelling. One of our daughters is just YouTubing. So she just watches YouTubes. Just, and, I, and I keep complaining about that uh, to them because I just, there's just no storyline. They're not getting narrative. They're not getting those sort of stories. So we, but we still have compulsory family fun nights. And we, we tend to try and watch, a mu- at the moment, I've been, we've been, the last couple of months, a musical a week on DVD. So grabbing the kids in and watching a musical. Um, sometimes they have a bit of a whinge. <laughs> we show the family. <laughs> um, no, no, they, don't whinge about they don't whinge about what we're watching, necessarily. But I showed the kids last week, um, Billy Elliot. And our, third, our daughter, who's just turned 13, had a big whinge about that because she was only just being allowed to watch it now, and why was her younger brother allowed to watch it because of all the swearing in it? And so she had a bit of a fuss in terms of, you know, I've had to wait till I was 13, why can't he watch it now? It was sort of, I'll just suck it up, princess. <laughs> oh, well, that's one way of dealing with it. <laughs> I did say I'll take that. that. I'll take that, uh, <laughs> uh, that uh, parental advice on board. Yeah, suck it up, princess. Now, that's yeah. just what I thought. I didn't actually say that. I, I, what I did in parenting, I tried to explain to her that you should rejoice when people have privileges that you didn't get. And uh, she's, she's gained privileges because of what the older kids have fought for. And so she should enjoy them. And she shouldn't be sad when her younger brother gets privileges she had to fight for as well. That's, that, that's my parenting tip there. Um, anyhow, so yeah, we, we try and watch stuff together. But it, it, it is very hard to actually have stuff that you can all watch. And everything's on demand now. So there isn't a specific time where everyone yeah. sits down. I remember when I was a kid, the two shows that stand out to me were for the kids sort of oriented was The Muppet Show, but the whole family used to sit around watching The Muppet Show. Um, my parents used to like watching Magnum, but the kids could still watch Magnum uh, because that, I mean, some of the storylines may have been a bit adult, but it just would have gone over our heads. There was nothing in there that was too shocking for the kids to to deal with so but there but there just isn't anything like that now and when you when you do get into something oh the other thing we used to watch was um all creatures great and small that was uh i still have uh, very fond memories of sitting around together with the family watching that show which uh, as well yeah yeah so um 
which uh, now with BritBox being available in Australia, I think the new All Creatures Great and Small is on BritBox now. Uh, so that's an opportunity for us to binge something else. All this time that we've got up our sleeve just to watch endless TV, Philip. Um, but I think that part of the situation is too, though, as much as we sat around and we watched the British sitcoms and there's you know, things like 40 Towers and Yes, Prime Minister, mm. Good Life, shows that I remember very clearly watching with my family and enjoying them. It was because there was really no other option. There was only a couple of there was only a couple of channels, and so I learnt and developed how to like those shows, and they still amuse me now. I think because our kids do have other options, they can just go off and play on a device. And even even when the the kids who are there who would actually enjoy it, they're still on a device as well because no one. And I'm I think I'm almost as bad. I rarely sit and watch something without having my phone on, and so I you know. I, I went back and rewatched the whole first season of Discovery, Star Trek Discovery, before the second season started, because I realised I just hadn't remembered anything, and I actually mm. de- deliberately had to put my phone down, and I actually enjoyed it so much more because I didn't have my phone out at the same time. So I'm, I'm as, I know I'm as bad in terms of you know, habits I've picked up now, where I'm always on two devices. I like that you mentioned Yes Minister and Yes Prime Minister because that's something me and my dad used to watch and I we used to he used to laugh his head off at that the jokes went over my head at the time but now he and I still talk politics a lot it's something we're interested in it was probably due to the the machinations in yes minister and yes prime minister that uh, got me interested in that kind of malarkey but um that kind of leads me into the first sort of mini topic that I want to talk about because obviously this episode we're going to talk about the 10th doctor and river song box set but Something else that was released, um, not through Big Finish, but through BBC uh, audiobooks, was an audiobook called uh, The Minds of Magnox, which was part of the Time Lord, well, it is part of the Time Lord Victorious series. And um, the reason I got that, well, there was two reasons. I always love, people say, oh, we can't have impersonators and whatever, but I love Jacob Dudman's 10th Doctor. I think he's absolutely fantastic. And if you're going to get an audiobook, with um with the tenth Doctor and Jacob Dudman's doing it, you're not going to be disappointed. I don't care what anyone I, says. I just love his voice anyway. I think he has the richest timbre voice. He's just his normal voice. Yeah, he's brilliant. But the yep. number of voices he's able to put on, and not and put on probably sounds bad, but the number of characters he's able to take up with his vocal range, he's so talented. Very young man too. It's like it's, yeah, don't think I like him very much being that talented. <laughs> yeah, it's awful, isn't it? Um, yeah. So that's probably three reasons, really. Jacob Dudman. Then there's Darren Jones, who wrote the story. He, he also wrote my favourite Doctor Who Monthly for 2020, which I'm going to spoil now. And I'll talk about it more in our retrospective, but it's Cry of the Vultures. He wrote that. Um, and also, we have the return of Brian the Ood Assassin, which uh, I love so much in the original Big Finish release that featured him. I don't know if he's been featured in any other... Uh, parts of the Time Lord Victorious. He might be in a comic or... He's in a book uh, originally, apparently. So he starts... Oh, so he's in, he was in a book with the Eighth Doctor. That's how he, how yes, he got with the so. Eighth Doctor? Okay. Uh, yeah, I think so. I, I, I haven't read it, but I'm, my understanding is he appears in a novel first. I thought he... Oh, okay. I thought he was with the... I thought that was the intro story with the Eighth Doctor, with um, He Kills Me, He Kills Me Not. I thought that was Brian's intro. Uh, maybe, <laughs> but that that the, the, what we're talking about here sort of 
raises my main point with Time Lord Victorious is that everyone seems to be so into arcs and it goes back to my discussion about sitting around watching things as a family. Everything, like I'm thinking of Magnum, Yes Minister, all that kind, there was no arc. There was just single episodes where you didn't have to think about it. You could watch it, enjoy it, forget it if you wanted to. We pro- we, we often remembered them. Um, but but these days, there is just so much content. To cho- I don't know whether it, I'm just getting old, Philip, and I just can't retain things anymore, but there were things in the minds of Magnox that related back to the short trips that John Colshaw did with the Masters, and and um, I just couldn't remember the detail uh, of those of those things. It's gonna I'm gonna have to wait till it's all out and listen to it again. But things keep coming out, so I'm not gonna have time to go and listen to it again. So I think in a in a sense, the whole big picture arc puzzle, whatever you want to call it, of Time Lord Victorious, not just Time Lord Victorious, but lots of other things that have these massive arcs. Um. I, I, I feel that that, for me, personally, diminishes my enjoyment of the actual story, which the story was quite good. I thought it was, I thought it was fine. Um, but how it fitted in, into that big jigsaw, I found it really difficult to recall. What about you, Phil? Um, well, I'm, I'm still hoping we'll get Chris Thompson back on to talk about the whole putting together Time Lord Victorious idea, because he was quite uh, involved with that in terms of both comics and now through the figures. But in terms of, I think what they're trying to do is they're trying to allow everything to be standalone. So you don't need to see the connections, um, which is probably a good thing because I think I'm struggling to see all the connections because I don't think I picked up on the ones that there were there, some from Masters. I have listened to both the Master ones, uh, short trips, and so I don't think I'd seen those connections there, but I maybe need to think again. To be perfectly honest, the struggle I'm having with the Time Lord Victorious is I think it's taking the period of Doctor Who I like least and making a big story out of it. So I, as much as on the TV show, when, when the 10th Doctor went through his Time Lord Victorious stage, it was a very ugly phase he went through. I do think it was important for the character. And I think, it, you know, I mean, we, saw, we saw it briefly in terms of in second season with Rose and that led ultimately to their separation because of both their arrogance and their overconfidence, which, you know, doomed them both, which is, you know, a normal sort of plot twist, very Shakespearean. And then again, we saw it's basically what doomed David Tennant's doctor at the end of his reign. But, you know, when, when you look at, um, as, as much as I love the Mars episode, Wars of Mars, it's a very bleak 10th doctor we see. And he's, his need to control everything, his, you know, declaring himself to be Time Lord Victorious is, I think, an ugly phase. And so having all these stories focusing on this ugly phase of the Doctor, I'm sort of going, mm. So, yeah, so I listened to that audiobook yesterday and I found the Doctor very unlikable in terms of, and, 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 and his arrogance and his posturing led to such a disaster that was beyond scale and he, and he shouldn't have been there. He shouldn't have been present. And it wasn't that he was getting involved to help. His very presence led to gigantic destruction. So I actually really struggled with the story because I thought it was so awful what the doctor became in that episode. Um, worse, worse than the wars of Mars because of what he doomed so many people to do. 
So yeah, so yeah, that's is that a bit too stark and awful? I I, I struggle with this story because of how ugly it made the doctor. Hmm. I didn't pick up on that quite so much because as as you were speaking, I was and, and we mentioned Jacob Dudman. I was thinking I prefer Jacob Dudman as the tenth Doctor to David Tennant, but that's just me. That's just me. Um, so yeah, I didn't it didn't quite catch me as much. I thought some of the things that Brian the Ood did were quite shocking. I enjoyed the story. I enjoyed how it unfolded, but it was actually the very Doctor's presence that led to everything happening. Yeah, which was hideous. The the end result. Of what happened, so not to try not, not to spoil it, but the end result is just hideous, and it was because the doctor wanted knowledge, and yeah. his desire for knowledge caused untold destruction and doom. Mm. Was so, was that acknowledged though in the story? Because we've got no. keep in mind the final scenes where uh, a repentant future yeah, doctor. If it's if it's if it's Jacob Dudman, you get, you can almost assume they're. Gonna, they're going to try and put in a, another doctor that he'll do. So I don't think it's spoiling anything to say that there is another doctor in there that is feeling a bit more, feeling a bit penitent perhaps about what happened. Yeah, there is a coda and it's nice that the doctor comes back to try and, well, he comes back to say, say sorry, but that doesn't stop what's happened. Mm. It doesn't resolve the count. Well, I don't want to spoil it, but in, ter in terms of what, what's happened, it doesn't solve what's happened. And I'm glad. I'm glad he comes back to say sorry. He realizes, but but it doesn't. Yeah, you know, when you, the destruction caused on such a level, I don't, I don't think a later regeneration of the doctor coming back and saying, going to one person and saying sorry about that, really makes up for all that happens. Totally could do that, really. But yeah, I think as a production, I think this is definitely worth a listen. Oh yeah. Um, if if you. If you're just going the big finish audios and as far as Time Lord Victorious goes, take a leap and step out and get this one. Um, it's it's definitely worth a listen, particularly if you're already a fan of the short trips or if you like Companion Chronicles. Um, it's this is not too far removed from those type of stories. It's more of an the, it's more of a book. Um, the sound but, the sound design is excellent. I wasn't yeah. expecting as much sound design. The sound design. Uh, is brilliant that all the little sound effects and I was actually paying a lot of attention to that. There's a scene where he's having a cup of tea, and I actually started missing the dialogue. Had to go back because I was actually listening to the whole cup of tea being made, and every little detail is in there in terms of boiling water, pouring little chunks of the teaspoon of the cup. It was beautiful. So whoever did the sound design, brilliant job. And as I said, Jacob Dubman is a star. So I'll put a link up uh, to where you can get a copy of that audio book. I got it from Audible. Um, I'm not sure if hard uh, hard copies might be available of it, but uh, yeah, I just got it from Audible myself. Okay, that leads us nicely into uh, the main topic of our podcast today, which is The Tenth Doctor and River Song. From Big Finish Productions... Doctor Who, The Tenth Doctor and River Song. I need you to break into the Apocalypse Vault at the end of the Quantum Vatican. No, that's a fixed point. I can't do that. I'll see you there. River! It's not too bad being worshipped as a god. You should try it. Doctor. Yes? He's here to kill you. Oh, I can tell. I'm the Doctor. Oh, good grief. You're a year late. Oops. You owe me two favours now. No, I don't. I'm only delayed because I stopped to answer the phone. Then hang up and get out of there! Oh, 
I've done Elizabethan London loads. Been round the tower, been in the tower. Of course you have. I got six months for dating a Spaniard. Oh, of course you did. Now this year is taking lives. No one has died on this ship, Porter, and no one will. How did you get in here? Oh, you really do have an axe. Doctor. Well, I thought she was bluffing. The biggest gems will be halfway across London. Who's making exploding jewellery? They must be dead. Unless it's something worse. Something worse? What could be worse than being dead? Being a ghost. Nerve gas! Just keep running! I'm River, by the way, and uh, this is my friend, the Doctor. Hello! I can't think of anything you like more than that screwdriver. Ugh, boys and their toys. Yeah, well, right now that particular toy would be very useful in finding out what these ghosts really are. Big finish. We love stories. Close your mouth, sweetie. You're dribbling. What? No, I'm... So, Philip, I am interested in this story. You know, you know, I'm not a fan of the Tenth Doctor. Uh, I'm not a fan of David Tennant so much. Um, but I am, unlike many people, a huge fan of River Song and particularly the River Song story. So this really excited me. This release because I had I didn't really give much thought about how they would slot the Tenth Doctor into River Song's timeline seeing as she seemed to come to her end quite close to the Tenth Doctor's end. But as we've been talking, that Time Lord Victorious phase, etc., there was quite a gap between River Song and the the Eleventh Doctor coming along. So what were your overall first impressions of this box set? Um, I was really excited it was coming out. David Tennant is actually my favourite Doctor of the new <laughs> series Doctors. Oh, I know. So... Uh, <laughs> that's, that's probably why I'm so defensive when, when yeah when he goes a bit off, off I mean I, I, I don't mind story-wise them sending him off kilter but it, uh, it just makes me sad yeah so I mean River Song and the Tenth Doctor I thought when when these episodes first came out when River was first introduced to the TV show super excited Alex Kingston is an actress I adore um, I was a huge fan of ER and so and I think she was my favourite character in ER so I've always loved Alex Kingston she did another British series. I've got all the DVDs. I've called um, Hope Springs, which is just a hilarious mobster kind of movie. She's sort of the mobster's mole, but she ends up stealing all the money um, with, some, with some other girls. So there's a whole bunch of women who steal all, all the stolen money and end up going off and planes to try to get overseas, but they get stopped from getting on their plane. So they have to go to hiding. And so it's so sort of them trying to survive in a little country town, and it's brilliant. Should have made a more series than they did. So Alex Kingston's certainly my one of my favourite actresses, and I thought the library episodes were well. It was amongst the best run ever. I think that fourth series of New Doctor Who, from Unicorn to the, and the Wasp all the way to the very end of that season, is the best unbroken run of Doctor Who shows ever. So I'm a huge classic fan. Um, I love the classic series, but in terms of unbroken episodes of brilliance, you've got nothing brilliant than those seven episodes. There's nothing for short in those seven episodes. And so these two episodes are in the midst of brilliance. And so I loved her relationship with the Doctor. I loved the whole quirkiness. And when she died at the end of the TV show, I really, really hoped they were going to bring her back because I thought, well, there's still so much scope to see her again. And really, I wanted to see her with David Tennant because I wanted to see what happened. So when I heard they were doing this, um, thanks to COVID, so some of the good things coming out of COVID is you know, because of lockdown, people are available. And so Big Finish went, okay, we've got David Tennant available, we've got Alex Kingston, 
and they moved like crazy to get these three scripts out. And so, yeah, pretty excited. And on the whole, they do really well. So that's my first overall impression. Yeah, and as far as River Song goes, I'm I'm a my favourite Matt Smith season is season six, which often is a lot of people's least favourite. And here's me complaining about arcs, but that was a very arc heavy uh, season. Yeah, slightly. Yeah, <laughs> just slightly. Um, but I I just love River Song's appearance all the way throughout. I I, I fail to see probably like you fail to see how I dislike David Tennant. I fail to see how anyone can dislike River. It just baffles me. Big Finish is, what are they up to? Series 7? I think Series 8 of the Diary of River Songs coming out soon on audio. Yeah, so I haven't even caught up with Series 7 yet, but um, all those River Song box sets have been fabulous. So, yeah, been very excited about that one. The first one they did was called Expiry Dating by James Goss, who was also in charge of Time Lord Victorious. So... Um, but also a very accomplished writer with Big Finish, done heaps over the years. And uh, I know you like this one, Philip. I do. This, this is certainly my favourite of the three of them. Though I did enjoy all three of them. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting, James Goss, actually, because I looked him up. He's done so much stuff, but all his early stuff was Dark Shadows. Um, and you certainly see a lot of his Dark Shadows ideas coming through, and even you get a bit of them in this. Um, and then I think two of my favourite Companion Chronicles uh, the Last Post, which is all about Liz and all her episodes. It's, it's sort of in between. All the episodes are very cleverly done. Uh, and Scorchies, which is the musical episode with Joe and the puppets. James Goss also wrote. So so he's one of my favourite writers. And what he's been doing with the Torchwood series is producing that in terms of the variety of episodes is, is great. So, yeah, so th- this is, once again, very inventive. I think why I love it, it, it it's a series of correspondence and one of my favorite books is um, Les Liaisons Dangerous, which is just letters backwards and forwards written, I think, 19th or 18th century. I can't actually remember. But I remember reading that as a teenager and being blown away by the fact that a whole book be written in letters. I've since found out it's actually quite a common thing for 19th century authors to, to do using just letters to correspond. Um, but at the time when I read that, it was new and it was a bit risque and amused me. And so this backwards and forwards between River and the Doctor, I just think is, is, is clever. I think one of the things, we, we won't be giving away spoilers, but a little, you may or may not be aware, it actually didn't need to be David Tennant. And I think that's why this is such a great episode. It's simply River trying to get a Doctor, any Doctor, doesn't care which Doctor. <laughs> um, and she does get a few. <laughs> and she gets a few. And that's, you probably, yeah, people probably know that there are cameos by both um, Fifth and Sixth Doctor. And the cameos are hilarious, particularly Peter Davison. He's so charming and funny. And yeah, I was thinking, gosh, the, he, him and River work so well together. Um, but just the fact that, you know, River doesn't care which doctor she gets. She just wants any doctor to get, get what she wants. Um, yeah. and, and essentially, certainly once again, the 10th doctor, this is, so this is their first meeting since she died. And he doesn't trust her at all. And during the course of the episode, we don't know whether we can trust her either. And so I think that that's the whole time you, we actually are, because we, we always trust the Doctor, we do see things through his eyes. And yet we have to keep remembering, hang on, River's more complex than that. So I, I love the different levels that this, this play works at. And it just had to be engaged the whole time and laughing out loud at different bits, but also just being, being swept along by the humour. 
about, about the storyline. What do you think? As far as the story goes, it's not my favourite of the three stories, but it's probably my favourite production of the three because of that inventiveness that you're just talking about. And I don't think I can add too much more to it than that because... Yeah, it's really good. The um the the other doctors that cameo in there are absolutely fantastic as well. And it's it's just really really entertaining. I mean, recently I was talking about Frankenstein. There's a book that was written as letters. Um I think Dracula was another one that was written as letters, wasn't it? Or at least it was. at least bits of it were. Mm. Uh I I don't think I've ever read uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula, but I know it was written uh, as letters just as Frankenstein was. Um so yeah, very, very, very good start to this particular box set. One of the th- themes that runs throughout is there's a, I think it's a, it might be based on a book, but it's only a film called We'll Always Have Paris, which is about a, it's a romantic relationship where there's a couple that meet once a year in Paris. And that is a, it ends up being a Star Trek episode named after it as well. Because um, the whole idea of We'll Always Have Paris is a, is a theme between romantic people. And the fact that I don't know how many times different doctors and River meet in Paris in this episode, but it's just that continuing theme of, you know, arriving at the cafe, the person they're recognizing River and just, she's always waiting, always waiting for the doctor to arrive, never comes. So just that longing the character has to have that relationship with the doctor that she really never gets. I just thought there was was just that bit of both romance, but also pathos in this episode as well. And and also that waiter who was watching the whole thing unfold in front of me, he was pretty... But staying cool, calm and collected the whole time. That was pretty cool. Yeah, it was. So that brings us to the second story in this box set called Precious Annihilation by Lizzie Hopley. Do you know Lizzie Hopley, where she first appeared in Big Finish? She was an actress originally, wasn't she? She was. Do you remember which story she first appeared in? It was a Doctor Who episode. She's been in heaps of different ranges, but she did appear in a Doctor Who episode. To start uh, with. No, which one was that? Terra Firma. So she's got a connection with the new series because she played the character that the Eighth Doctor referred to in uh, his final scene where he's toasting to his former companion. She played Gemma. The, we, I mean, we've had the Forgotten Doctor in The War Doctor, but there were the for- Forgotten Companions in Terra Firma with Gemma and Samson, and she played Gemma. Right. Mm. You know, I've got no memory of that at all. That's something else I may need to go back and listen to. You don't remember the Forgotten Companions? Well, that's that's poetic, isn't it? It is. There you go. I forgot them. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, they are mentioned in Night of the Doctor, that mini episode. Right, um, okay. And I think she went on... I think she played that creepy girl in Night Thoughts, too, that would talk through her rabbit. That was Lizzie. Yes, that was that was Lizzie Hopley. That's right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, she, and she's been in quite... She's been in a lot of Dark Shadows as well. One thing that I was flicking through some of the cast lists and because she's also been in a few Dorian Grays. And I've never listened to the Dorian Gray series, but uh, I think it was volume five. I was flicking through the cast list. I think she's in that one. And there's a character in there called Walter Sickett, which uh, you may remember the episode that, it, that it's referring to. But Walter Sickett was a suspect. He was one of the Jack the Ripper suspects. So I caught sight of his name and being a Jack the Ripper uh, enthusiast as well, I thought, oh, I must go and have a look and see what they've done with Walter Sickett in Confessions of Dorian Gray. So I'm digressing a lot there, but uh, these are the these are the sort of mazes we lead ourselves on when we go and do this research. <laughs> it is, yeah. Because yeah. much more to it, I agree. Yeah. So what did you, what did you think of this episode? Uh, this is my least favourite of 
the set. I like the setting of the story. I, I like the science fiction concepts of the story. But what brought this one down a notch for me is the characterization of the 10th Doctor. He is so annoying throughout this episode. I just made me want to vomit. Nah, it wasn't that bad. But I just found him so, so irritating. All the worst parts of his personality that great on me were brought out in this particular episode. But as I said, I thought the story itself uh, was was quite interesting. And the sci-fi, how it was brought out at the end, was interesting. But it had very little to do with the uh, the Tenth Doctor for me. River, as always, you know I love River Song. So uh, all that makes up for the complete annoyance I had at uh, David Tennant's Tenth Doctor in this in this episode for me. Yep. I um I wonder whether the issue is the fact that my understanding is this actually started off as a short story, so this was actually prose, and because they had to quickly get these episodes together, they actually contacted Lizzie and said, "Can you turn it into a script?" So I wonder whether being in prose, therefore being being able to be inside characters' heads a bit more, would have been smoothed some of those edges off the tenth Doctor that you're reacting to. I don't know. I've not read the short story. I don't know what it looked like. Um, that's what one of them that's possible. Um, I, I probably agree with you in terms of, I think that in terms of the three, um, it's, it is probably the weakest, though it had some great sci-fi concepts. Mm. Um, it felt a bit to me like the um, Curse of the Black Spot Okay. in terms of tone yep. and things, which yep. isn't, one of, isn't one of my favourite new series episodes. But it's um, a good I mean, one. It's, it's still a good one. It, it, it's a good one. It's a good one. Yeah, I, I enjoy it, but it's just not, you know, not, not classic. I wouldn't put it in that thing, but I guess the thing I really enjoy was um, Anjali Mohindra being in this again. So she's the companion. She was Sarah Jane Smith's companion um, in the TV series, and she's becoming a, such an amazing actress. I mean, I loved her in the Sarah Jane Smith adventures. You know, she was a great lot of fun then. And she was um, the monster in uh, Nikola Tesla's Night of Terror, wasn't she? She was, but we won't have to mention that one. <laughs> <laughs> Can't remember the name of him. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. Um, she did play the monster. The um, a stunning, amazing character role she plays is in The Bodyguard. I'm not sure if you saw the BBC series. Yes. The Bodyguard. I did. That was great. Yeah. So she she plays the terrorist female in the beginning with the vest on. Okay. Um, and ends up having a fairly complex characterization. And the way she, yeah, I, that her acting in that series is breathtaking in terms of where she takes that character. So I won't spoil that, but if you haven't watched, if you haven't seen The Bodyguard, I think it's on Netflix. It is it has the most amazing twists throughout it that you think the the show is heading in one direction, suddenly it swings in a totally different direction. Brilliant. So, so yeah, she's she's actually been in a lot of stuff. So she must have a good sound system at home at the moment because she's appearing in a lot of big finished productions. She was just in the time of the um, Shadow of the Daleks episodes as well, or ace parts of that with Peter Davison. So brilliantly acted, great cast, great soundscape, uh, good ideas. Enjoyed it, but yeah, not not, not the best of the series, but still a, a good good story to listen to. Yeah, well, you've something's got to be your least favourite. Doesn't mean it's bad. Exactly. Uh, yeah. And I, I know, this story is definitely not a bad story. I, I I really enjoyed the story. Put it that way. Yeah, and, and I can really see Lizzie's going to come a long way with her writing, in terms of she's only just started doing a lot of writing. Well, the next. The next big, well, there's, I think, two Time Lord Victorious Big Finish audios coming out. She's writing the second one that's due out maybe the end of the month. That sounds right. Yeah. So mm. she's really developing. So I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what, what, you know, what she's going to become. 
Cool. So that brings us on to the final story in this box set called Ghosts. And this one is my favourite story. Probably- I guessed that. <laughs> Did you? How would you guess that? It's um, the other two words. So it had to be this one. <laughs> and, the, and the reason I, I like expiry dating for its production was because of how inventive it was. Uh, but it's the story in this one that I really love. And is it an original story? No, it's not an original story. I've seen it done in movies. I've seen it done in other episodes of Doctor Who in different ways. So this is a concept that's been done before. But some of the most classic Doctor Who are things that they've pinched from elsewhere. Fan of the Opera, Talons of Wang Chiang, yeah. uh, Brain of Morbius, Frankenstein. Um, this is a similar... I guess the closest one that I can think of, if I start naming things, I might um, I might spoil it. The movie I'm thinking of, if I said the movie, it's a Nicole Kidman film. Uh, if I said it, uh, it would absolutely spoil it. But the one that's closest to from the TV series would probably be Extremis. It reminded me of that story. But it's done in a different way and it's done in an original way um, using similar themes that we've seen before. Uh, and I... It, I think uh, David Tennant was really toned down in this one compared to his irritating persona in the previous story. I liked it. I liked it a lot. Yeah, I, I agree. I did not see it coming, so I, I don't know how naive I was. And yeah, as you say, it is a, it is a idea that has been used before in several places, but it, I didn't see it coming, even though it was perfectly well flagged. I should have seen it coming. <laughs> Maybe if I'd been paying more attention, I would have done. But when it all happened, the twist happened, I went, oh, oh, well, that's clever. Because um, I had I had missed it. So it's, yeah, great story. I think I think it's too hard on David Tennant. I, I love the 10th Doctor. <laughs> and as much as he does swing moods, um, I think that's just, I think that's part of just the Doctor defending himself in terms of dealing with loneliness and pain and uncertainty. I think the more kind of obnoxious he gets it's the more he's uncertain he is so i think he plays plays up to that yeah so i yeah objectively objectively i can see why david tennant is the most popular doctor uh, that has been in the new series and possibly ever i can see that objectively i can see that and i i acknowledge that final run of rtd was probably the, the the run that you speak of is definitely the most consistent run I really like the specials year um, and I, I fail to see why people rip into it so much. Um, but I, oh, I don't know. I don't know what it is, Philip. I just don't know what it is. Perhaps, perhaps because since Doctor Who, I've seen David Tennant in so many other things with his actual Scottish voice that I was thinking maybe he would have been better if he kept his Scottish accent. Why couldn't he keep that at the time? It just the voice or because I know it's not his actual accent. I know that shouldn't stop me. I'm just, I'm, I'm stretching now. I'm stretching for reasons why I feel the way I do, but I just, I just do. Sorry. I, I do think, I do think vocally it was a bad choice. I think, yeah. You know, and obviously they just discussed it with Russell T and the fact that it had a northerner already. They thought another, another northerner was kind of two northerners. Northerner. <laughs> more, more, not that Scotland would consider itself northern. So they better <laughs> right. have another independence poll. So certainly he wouldn't consider, yeah. The fact that there was two accents, Russell, I think, thought was going to be too much for the show. I think it was probably the wrong call. I think Russell might actually agree with the fact that it was the wrong call. But I I did not realise he was putting on an accent when I was watching the show. 
it's only since I've seen David and all the stuff. And in fact, I've just finished watching him with a whole lockdown show with Martin Sheen. I figure what it's called on iView. There's a, an amazing six-part series that he's just done with Martin Sheen and George Tennant, all in lockdown, all filmed in lockdown. It is hilarious. And they're basically, well, they pretend to be playing themselves. I hope they're not playing themselves because they're pretty <laughs> ugly characters if they actually are playing themselves. But it is fairly real. Um, have you seen that? I can't remember the name of it, but I think I have. It's on iView, isn't it? You say, it's on you say it was on iView? Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it came out March or April, and I didn't see it. It's, it's a one word title, and it's completely gone from my head. I can't. Yes. Me too. And I've just watched the six episodes. <laughs> Shows how little attention I pay. I watched I watched one or half an episode, and it didn't really grab me, but I'll, I'll watch the rest when I, when I get around to it. For sure. I, I, get, I get amused by the, the credits because a lot of the uh, episodes, they argue about who should come first on the... on Because the, it's about them rehearsing a play for after lockdown. Yeah. And they argue about whose name's going to come first on the poster. And at one stage, um, David Tennant says he's thinking about going back to his birth name, David McDonald. And so in the next episode, when the credits come up for the, the show, it's David McDonald, not David Tennant. Mm. And then, yeah, and then the name switch because they have a fight, and then Marty is, yeah. Anyhow, it, just watching the credits makes me laugh because of how their names appear and little things in parentheses appear behind their names based on what's happened previously. So I think David Tennant is probably one of the best actors to have ever played the role. I think probably David Tennant, Patrick Troughton, are probably the two best actors. Um, I think Matt Smith is certainly developing. But he was young. But, I mean, I, I love Matt Smith, too. But in, in terms of pure acting, I don't think he surpassed it. So, it goes, great story. Loved it. Yeah, speaking of David Tennant's accent, have you seen the remake of... Um, why am I having so many mental blanks today? Um, because it's not the, late at we're, doing, we're doing this at a normal time of day. We I know, it's wrong. Doing. It's just wrong. There's what? not life. What's going on here? <laughs> So, so, so normally this is what we're doing is we're usually recording this late at night because depending on where our guests happen to be around the world but we decided we could actually do this during the middle of the day and we thought we'd be so awake it just hasn't worked at all oh, no i don't think away. i've woken up yet i don't think i've woken <laughs> up no 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 the chibnall show he did with olivia coleman what what was that called again the police show and jody whittaker what was it yes, called the, uh it's a town black black <laughs> black something Oh man, what is going on? How can I how can I forget that? Broadchurch. Ah, oh, yeah, I knew it was a B. Broadchurch. Okay, so the 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 remake of Broadchurch. Now that we've we've got that, um, I think it's called Grace Point. It's an American remake, but it stars David Tennant. Have you seen that? I have. I've been really wanting to see it because it's apparently the same script, same story. It's exactly made. the same, and it's David Tennant, but he's put got an American accent. Right. It's awful. Right. <laughs> it just doesn't work. You can't watch Broadchurch uh, and then go to Great. You just can't because you can't beat Broadchurch. So I don't know what the American remakes. I just, I just can't. I, I have not seen an American remake that supersedes. I know. I know these writers take it to America and do it like that because they obviously make more money and they go for longer. Like The Office is a classic example. It's probably what yes. Ricky Gervais made his fortune with, the American yeah. version of The Office. But that's crap compared to like, the English version. And like, like House of Cards. House of Cards was the mm. most astounding English-British miniseries. And they take it over to America and they, it loses all the power and all the suspense. Mm. 
and well, yeah. the, the the American House of Cards was just shock. It was it was down to shock value. That's um, what they tried to do, I think, in that one. Yeah, I ended up getting so sick of that, I just stopped watching it. As much as I like Kevin Spacey as an actor, I have to put that in now um, that he's gotten in gotten himself in trouble. Um, he has saved himself pretty badly, I must admit. Yes, yes. Okay, so yeah, I I think we can highly recommend this box set, can't we? We can indeed. I mean, I. I, I... It's it's not going to be the classic big finish episodes ever. They're very yeah. entertaining. They're they're great to listen to. I love Alex Kingston. Is there a classic in those three? I don't think there probably is a classic big finish in there. Um, but they're all good, great, solid stories. Very entertaining. Certainly worth the money. Absolutely. All right. We've been going a lot longer than I thought we would, so I think it's probably time we got on to. Our recommendations. Listen. Philip, what have you got for us this week? Yes, well, I have been listening to an audio book by McConaughey called Green Lights. Um, so I'm trying to think of what his first name is. Is that awful? The Matthew? Actor. Matthew McConaughey. Uh, he's written in uh, McConaughey, I think he pronounces his name. Sorry, have we, Matthew, however you pronounce it. He has written... It's. I'm sure he'll write into so, us when he hears this. Yeah, I'm sure he will. And I'm sorry, I apologize, Matthew, for that. <laughs> he has written a book called Green Lights, which is autobiographical, but his early part of his life, basically. And the book is about how we all have green lights and red lights in our life. And we, we want the green lights. We want life to run smoothly. We want, we want to just be able to keep driving through the green lights and not be stopped. But he's sort of using stories from his past to show how the red lights what allows us to grow and change and develop. And so it's, he, I've listened to it as an audio book. He's reading it. Um, he, and he's a brilliant, I, I love him as actor. He's a Southern drawl and his voice. He's reading with so much expression. It's, it's entertaining just listening to him read his own book. But as he tells stories, some of which took place in Australia, he actually came and stayed with a family in Australia for a year and became a vegetarian while he was there. As he tells his stories about things that have been hard in his life. He also talks about how he grew and learned from it and how it's developed and grown him. So very entertaining and really enjoying it. Excellent. What have you been listening to? Well, I'm going to recommend a TV show, which is not listening, but something came out of the TV show that got me listening. And that's a Netflix show that's got two seasons the ten episodes per season. They only go for half an hour, so you can you can binge it pretty quickly. And you get you might be surprised when you hear me say this, but it's Cobra Kai. I don't know if you've have you heard of that uh, sort of sequel isn't to. The, isn't the Karate Kid thing? It is. It is. It, me and my wife binged that uh, a few weeks ago. It was a really, really amazingly good show. I can't. I cannot believe how good it was. But what I, what came out of that was the soundtrack because the the guy who was the villain in the Karate Kid it kind of follows his story, and uh, so it plays a lot of the music uh, from the eighties. So that soundtrack, uh, someone's put together a Cobra Kai soundtrack on Spotify, which I'll put the link to in the, in the show notes. So if you're from our era of the eighties and you like the kind of music that you'll hear in Cobra Kai. Um, you can listen to that on Spotify. Like the first, the first song was "Poison's Nothing But a Good Time," which is a kind of a plastic uh, rock rock song from the late '80s, but really fun. 
if you're from that era. And um, even Doctor Who gets mentioned in this show. Can you believe it? The second last episode, um, there's a conversation between a couple of the couple of the nerdy characters. The, it's the nerdy characters that go to Cobra Kai and get themselves toughened up. And they have this conversation about uh, Jodie Whittaker coming on. Oh, because uh, he's been concentrating on his karate, he hasn't been keeping up with Doctor Who. So there's a conversation. Oh, let me just slip it in here. You check out the new Doctor Who trailer? I don't watch nerd shit. You know, uh, Moffat isn't the showrunner anymore. Wait, really? Since when? Is there a new Doctor? What's he like? She's badass. She? No way. So that's Cobra Kai and the Cobra Kai soundtrack. I can definitely recommend that one. You going to watch it now, well, Philip? I, I will actually. Partly because I, I love the, um, the series How I Met Your Mother. And um, one of the main characters in that, Barney, his hero is the Karate Kid. Hmm. And so at one stage, his girlfriend organizes for him to meet the Karate Kid and brings along, who's the main actor in Karate Kid? Um, Ralph Macchio. Is it Ralph Macchio? Yeah, Ralph Macchio. Macchio. Yeah. Um, and, and Barney says, that's not the hero. He's the baddie. Well, you know <laughs> and, what? And, he, and he, in- the, he, he then explains the whole thing about the fact that he's actually the, the villain of Karate Kid is really the true hero. And so the whole How I Met Your Mother regularly has. and then he, Maybe that's that, where the that, idea came from. And then that actor regularly keeps appearing. Um, at all different events for Barney because he's the hero and that's that's Barney's favorite his favorite film. Ah, so, maybe that's maybe that's where the idea started. I don't yeah, know because it's a fascinating a fascinating concept. Back in the eighties, back in we were talking about shows and how they were structured and put together. There was a lot more black and white, a lot more clear cut lines. There was a goodie and a baddie, and there was no exploration of of what made the baddies bad and why the goodies were so good which is interesting in Cobra Kai because it does turn out that it's it's not so black and white. There's a lot more shades of grey than you than you think. And, um, oh, man, I found Ralph Macchio so irritating in the Karate Kid films. I, I loved it for Miyagi and, and everything else. But, yeah, he was a character I found really irritating. But he's not so irritating in Cobra Kai, so that's good. That's good. Oh, the actors um, in it. Ralph Macchio's in it. Cobra oh, Kai. yeah. Oh, yeah. It's all about Ralph Macchio and, and the, uh, I can't remember the other actor's name. Lawrence was his surname, the character. It's all about wow, those two okay. because because Ralph Macchio is all successful and he and uh, he sees that Cobra Kai is being established and he tries to stop it. Uh, and it's all it's all about the story that goes on around that. So okay. it's fascinating. Absolutely fascinating, which is a, a look at what makes the villain a villain, which is got me thinking about Doctor Who because Case of Androzani is always one of my favourite episodes, but it's not because of Graham Harper's direction or or because uh, because it's, you know, Peter Davison's best story, uh, Robert Holmes's best script, anything like that. It's because I felt sympathy for Sharaz Jack because he's put in that story as the villain, but he's not. He's not the villain. We all know Morgus is the villain, right? And so, in many ways, Sharaz Jack was justified in doing what he did, um, and he had reason for going completely nuts. Um, and so, I always empathised and sympathised with Sharaz Jack, and that's why I like Caves of Androzani. So, how we go from Cobra Kai to Caves of Androzani, I don't know, but there's a link. There's always a link somewhere. 
Always a leak. Down that rabbit hole. <laughs> All right. Thanks very much for uh, for our chat, Philip. It's been great as always. I've had fun. And uh, if you want to leave us some feedback, please do uh, rate and review us too on iTunes um, or any other podcatcher. Rate and review us there. Get us seen so more people can hear our dulcet tones and um, uh, maybe get some points of view that you may not have had before, particularly those who don't who say that uh, audio is not something that I listen to because I think audio is, is a medium that uh, is... Uh, not given as much credit as, as it should in many Doctor Who f- fan circles. Would you agree with that, Philip? I would indeed. <laughs> I think um, audio is the way to go. All right. So until we meet again, listen to lots of audio because we told you to. And because audio drama rocks. rocks.